Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Jai. 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 Jai.
So welcome everybody. We are reading from Canto 4, Chapter 7, text number 43, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Okay, I guess we'll find out. I think I, I think it's correct, right? X forty-three. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. 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 Okay, so we'll start with the Sanskrit. And the meter on this one is a little weird. I couldn't really figure it out, so just have to do the best we can. Uh, okay, please repeat. Gandharva Uchu. Gandharva Uchu. Amsham Shaste Deva Marichadaya Ete. Amsham Shaste Deva Marichadaya Ete. Brahmindra Dya Devagana Rudra Puroga Brahmindra Dya Devagana Rudra Puroga Rida Bandam Vishvam Idam Yasya Vibhuman Krida Bandam Vishvam Idam Yasya Vibhuman Tasmai nityam nata namastate karavam. Tasmai nityam nata namaste karavama. Gandharva uchu. Gandharva uchu. Amsham shaste deva marichadya adaya ete. Amsham shaste deva marichi adaya ete. Brahmendra dya devagana rudra purogaha. Brahmendra dya devagana rudra purogam. Krida bandam vishwamidam yasya vibhuman. Krida bandam vishvam idam yasya vibhuman. Tasmai nityam nata namaste karavama. Tasmai nityam nata namaste karavama. Gandharva uchu. Gandharva uchu. Amsham shaste deva marichyadya ete. Amsham shaste deva marichi adaya ete. Ramendra dya devagana rudra puroga. Ramendra dya devagana rudra puroga. Vida bandam vishvamidam yasya vibhuman. 
Kredavandam Vishpam Idam Yasya Vibuman. As my Nityam Nata Namaste Karavama. Taj my Nityam Nata Namaste Karavama. Hey, anyone who would like to chant? Gandharva Uchuho. Gandharva Uchu. Gandharva Uchuho. Gandharva Uchu. Amsham Shaste Deva Marichi Adaya Ete. Shamshaste Deva Marichi Adaya Ete. Ramendradya Deva Ganarudra Purogaha. Ramendra. Adya Deva Ganarudra Puroga. Krida Bandam Vishpam Idam Yasya Vibuman. Krida Bandam Vishpam Idam Yasya Vibuman. Tajmai Nityam Nata Namaste Karavamam. Asmai Nityam Nata Namaste Karavamam. Anyone else? All right, word for word. Gandharva. Gandharva. Gandharvas. Gandharvas. Uchu. 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 Said. Said. Amsha, Amsha. Amsha, Amsha. Parts and parcels of your body. Parts and parcels of your body. Te. Te. Your. Your. Deva. Deva. Dear Lord. Dear Lord. Marichi Adaya. Marichi Adaya. Marichi and the other great sages. Marichi and the other great sages. Ete. Ete. Bees. Bees. Brahma Indra Adya. Brahma Indra Adya. Headed by Brahma and Indra. Headed by Brahma and Indra. Devagana. Devagana. Demigods. The demigods. Purogaha. Rudra Purogaha. Having Lord Shiva as their chief. Having Lord Shiva as the chief. Kridabandam. Kridabandam. A plaything. A plaything. Vishvam. Vishvam. The whole creation. The whole creation. Idam. This. This. Yasya. Yasya. Whom? Of whom? Bibuman. Bibuman. The Supreme Almighty Great. The Supreme Almighty Great. Asmai. 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 Unto him. Unto him. Dyam. Nityam. Always. 
Always. Nata. Nata. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. Namaha. Namaha. Respectful obeisances. Respectful obeisances. Te. Te. Unto you. Unto. Unto you. Karavama. 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 We offer. We offer. We offer. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Jai. The Gandharva said, Dear Lord, all the demigods, including Lord Shiva, Lord Brahma, and Indra, along with Marichi and the other great sages, are all only differentiated parts and parcels of your body. You are the supreme, almighty, great. The whole creation is just like a plaything for you. We always accept you as the supreme personality of Godhead, and we offer our respectful obeisances unto you. Report. In the Brahma Samhita, it is said that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. There may be many gods from Brahma, Lord Shiva, Indra, and Chandra, down to the rulers of the lower planetary systems and the presidents, ministers, chairmen, and kings. In fact, anyone can think he, that he is God. That is the false puffed up conviction of material life. Actually, Vishnu is the Supreme Lord, but there is even one above Vishnu. For Vishnu is also the plenary portion of a part of Krishna. In this verse, this is referred to by the word amsha, amsha, which refers to part and parcel of a part and parcel. There are similar verses in the Chaitanya Charitamrita which indicate that the Supreme Lord's part and parcels again expand into other parts and parcels. As described in Srimad Bhagavatam, there are many manifestations of Vishnu and many manifestations of living entities. <clears throat> Vishnu manifestations are called Swamsha, partial manifestations, and the living entities are called Vivinamsha. The demigods like Brahma and Indra have been promoted to such exalted positions by pious activities and austerities, but actually Vishnu or Krishna is the master of everyone. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said, Egale Ishvara Krishna, Ar Sabha This means that Krishna alone is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and all others, even the Vishnu Tattva, and certainly the living entities are his servitors. Baladeva is the immediate expansion of Krishna. He also engages in the service of Krishna and certainly the ordinary living entities are serving. Everyone is created constitutionally for serving Krishna. Here, the Gandharvas acknowledge that although the demigods may represent themselves as the supreme, actually they are not supreme. Real supremacy belongs to Krishna. Krishna's two Bhagavan Svayam is the statement of Srimad Bhagavatam. Krishna is the only supreme Lord. Worship of Krishna alone, therefore, includes worship of all the parts and parcels, just as watering the root of a tree 
also waters all the branches, twigs, leaves, and flowers. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Vasadi Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So I offer my respectful obeisances unto all the assembled devotees here and wherever else they may be hearing. And I request your blessings to be able to speak something that is beneficial and uh, relevant and helps to make us more Krishna conscious. So this is a verse from the Gandharvas, which are heavenly damsels, if I'm not mistaken, that are uh, specifically singing, singing. There are different uh, denizens of higher planets. And uh, so these are the heavenly singers that are offering their prayers worshiping the Lord, and they're asserting very confidently and clearly that Vishnu is the supreme, and all the other demigods are parts and parcels of him, which is very similar to many of the themes that we've been seeing uh, throughout all of these verses, and is basically, you know, if you, if you don't get this point by the end of reading this section, of Bhagavatam, then you kind of missed it, that it's, it becomes very clear that Vishnu is the Supreme because all the other demigods are worshiping and offering their prayers. And this is, as brought out in the purport, this is the one of the most important and main assertions of the Srimad Bhagavatam, that Krishna is the Supreme personality of Godhead. And the, the verse is quoted, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, which is the called the Paribhasa Sutra of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which means that all the other verses are understood in relation to this one verse. So it's a very significant verse to understand that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And <clears throat> sometimes we may we may feel or think that uh, this is a bit redundant, especially if we've come to Krishna consciousness and we've, you know, committed ourselves to practicing and following this path of bhakti. We might feel like, oh yeah, no, I accept that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. So, you know, we hear this again and again and again, and we may think somewhere in the back of our minds that, okay, this isn't relevant to me because I already know. I already got it. Krishna's the supreme. I'm, I'm 
I've accepted that. I'm chanting my rounds. I'm coming to the temple. Well, not much this year, but I'm doing all the devotional things. And I have pictures of Krishna. I have a deity of Krishna. And so this isn't so relevant to me. So we might start, we might have that come up. But as brought out in the purport, uh, Srila Prabhupada, well, he, he regularly emphasizes this and there's, it's explained, uh, he emphasizes it throughout his books and he would, uh, at, at one point, I recall hearing a pastime where Prabhupada was challenging some of his most uh, senior disciples, you know, who were taking leadership in the movement and doing many amazing things. And he challenged them that, uh, I wonder how many of you actually accept that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So he, uh, by this, you know, anecdote and by reading Prabhupada's books and seeing how much he emphasizes it, we should understand that this is an important point to very to take in uh, very deeply and that we shouldn't just take it for granted that Krishna is the Supreme Lord and think that, oh yeah, I, I know that already. Because as we see here, Prabhupada brings out that in fact, anyone can think that he is God. And he mentions uh, different, not only the demigods, but the presidents, ministers, chairmen, and kings. And so we can see in our own life that there is, uh, when we, we can see that there is a desire or an, an uh, a conviction, right? Prabhupada says, this is the false puffed up conviction of material life, to think that I am God. And what is the essence of thinking that I am God? Basically that I want to control. I want to control the things that are within my purview and uh, arrange them for my own enjoyment. This is the essence of uh, the conditioned living entity. And it's what the false ego drives the living entity to again and again try to manifest. The false ego is uh, constantly pushing the living entity to uh, try to control and enjoy. Let me be the controller of my circumstances and let me try to enjoy uh, through that control. So every living entity, right? We can see that uh, even insects, even animals, they want to have some sort of influence. I remember a few, few years back, I would be chanting Japa behind the ashram and there's a little walkway and we have a garage next to the walkway. And I uh, was chanting there pretty regularly and I used to see a uh, spider 
little spider by the garage and he had he had like a really nice web set up he had his whole you know like i thought like that's a pretty good spot for a spider sometimes you see a web and it's like that's not such a good spot but that he had a real good spot and he even had like a nice view of the entire backyard and he had like you know a bunch of insects coming and so i used to see him and uh watch him and uh, see how he got his whole thing set up you know and he had it very well arranged that he was in control and he was capturing you know his prey and enjoying you know devouring the prey or in whatever ways he did it and then one day it got a little cold and then I noticed the spider was shriveled up and gradually as the weeks went on his web dissipated and fell apart and his uh his life had ended he moved on to a next body so even the spiders are trying to control and enjoy in their tiny little way so us living entities, human beings, also we have our small uh, purview of influence and uh, in conditioned life, we try to manipulate it in different ways and try to use the material energy and even use other living entities to serve our purposes. This is in conditioned life. This is the way that the condition, uh, materially conditioned mind works. And then even up to great demigods, there are numerous stories of demigods becoming uh, puffed up thinking that they are God, like Indra, for example, we recently celebrated Govardhan Puja a few months ago. It's an example of Indra becoming puffed up with this same material conviction that uh, I am actually the supreme controller, right? So we may think that it's very common sense or that we've accepted, yeah, Krishna is the supreme Lord and I've got it. But when we look at our practical lives, we can ask ourselves, how am I how might I still be trying to control and enjoy uh, and exploit things for my own uh, enjoyment? So this is why it's important and relevant for us to continuously hear that Krishna is the supreme controller and that uh, we are his servants. And it's also helpful to reflect and understand that by trying to control things, that actually is the source of so much misery and suffering. Uh, if we look at the three different miseries of the material world, Adi Bautika, Adi Daivika, and Adi. Klesha, Adi, Adi Atmika, Klesha. 
this is described three different miseries that the living entity is dealing with. One is miseries from other living entities. Uh, another is miseries from uh, nature. And then another is miseries that come from the body and the mind. So all of these things are actually causing us suffering because they are out of our control. Right? Living entities, when we can't control them how we want, for example, like a mosquito might be you know, buzzing around our face and try and swat it away, but it just won't go away. It causes us frustration and misery because we can't control it. <laughs> and uh, in nature, so many, that's very clear, we can't control. Although modern science, they're trying. I was seeing an article recently that, you know, in China, they're, they're trying to create this artificial weather, these weather patterns that are, you know, they're flying and putting things in the air, chemicals and things in the air and in spaces like almost as large as India, I think I, I read. So, we're attempting, you can see civilization is attempting to control the weather. But meanwhile, we're getting ravaged by a pandemic that is definitely not under control. And so this is another Adi uh, Daivika Klesha that actually is not under the control of the living entities. And then Adi Atmika, so our bodies and our minds are not within our control. Of course, for a yogi or a devotee, someone who's practicing meditation, they're at least trying to control their mind. But the body, there's so many things that we can't control. We can't control our digestion. We can't control our, if we're gonna get a disease or have some bodily injury. There are so many things that are outside of our control. So all of these miseries that we're suffering in the material world are <clears throat> uh, miseries based on the fact that they're outside of our control. And also when we look at different uh, types of spiritual uh, practitioners, we hear in the scriptures about uh, there's not only bhaktis, bhakti yogis, uh, but there are also karmis, those who uh, try to achieve happiness through karmic activities. And then there's jnanis, those who try to achieve happiness or self-realization out of just exercising their mental powers. And then yogis who will try to achieve mystic powers. And it's not until one comes to practicing bhakti that they really come to fully accept that they are not the controller. Because we see in karma, yoga, one is doing things uh, and trying to get a result that they can enjoy. enjoy. And so they're 
not giving up the, the understanding that they are not, or they're not giving up the, the idea, the false puffed up conviction that they are in control. And Gyani is also, they're considering their mental power to be their own. And so they are exercising it, uh, exercising their desire to control their mental powers to progress. And yogis also, there are even yogic powers that, you know, allow someone to be more, you know, be able to control people. So that's definitely a desire that's there. But with a bhakta, this is one of the foundational understandings of practicing bhakti, is that we accept that we are not the supreme controller. we are rather a servant. So a bhakta is uh, engaged in serving the Supreme Lord, Supreme Controller. So this is also why we see that throughout Sri Prabhupada's books, he's, he's asserting this and uh, over and over again. And it's the very first verse of the Brahma Samhita, Ishvara Parama Krishna, and there are so many verses in the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna's asserting his supremacy. If we look at the um, middle, any of the middle six chapters of the Bhagavad Gita, which are understood to be describing bhakti primarily, all of them are describing, Krishna is describing his supremacy. He is describing how he's uh, manifested in so many his opulences are manifested in this world and how he's the basis of everything. And right before the um, four seed verses of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna asserts that he says, one who is factually convinced of this opulence and mystic power of mind Uh, engages in unalloyed devotional service. Of this, there is no doubt. So understanding Krishna's supremacy factually and understanding how he's the supreme controller, the result of that is that one spontaneously will want to serve him. Just like we see in this world, any opulent person as so many persons who are, you know, waiting at their doorstep who want to serve them. And of course, in this material world, it's never unconditional service. Generally, someone who has some opulence, they have servants who want to serve them for some ulterior motive. They either want, you know, to have some position near them or they want to gain some benefit from them in some way. So it's a perverted reflection that we're seeing in this material world. But Krishna being the supreme uh, controller, if we understand his supremacy, then naturally one will want to serve him. And there also can be mixed motivations even when we come to serving Krishna, right? We learn about purifying the heart and 
uh, not coming to Krishna for material reasons, for material motivations. At least coming is a good thing, even if we initially have some material motivations. But as one progresses in devotional service, they want to more and more just serve Krishna for the sake of pleasing him. So, only, only in devotional service, only in practicing bhakti, do we really see that there's a wholehearted acceptance that um, there is a supreme controller. What to speak of uh, who the supreme controller is, the supreme controller being Krishna. But in bhakti, we're, we're coming to fully accept that. And service is a very, a very significant thing. In material conception, it's not very significant. But in spiritual life, being able to be a servant of the Supreme Lord is a very exalted position. And it's mentioned in the purport that even Vishnu, even Balaram, so he's, Prabhupada states that I don't know where it is, but yeah, Baladev is the immediate expansion of Krishna. He also engages in service of Krishna, and certainly the ordinary living entities are serving. So Balaram is the first expansion of Krishna, and there are various other expansions that come from Balaram. And eventually there is the Vishnu expansion, Mahavishnu. Mahavishnu is the first Vishnu who is manifested and manifests the material world. He's the Vishnu who has uh, universes emanating from his pores. So, and even this Mahavishnu wants to serve Krishna. How do we know that? We learn about it in 10th Canto. At the very end, the last, uh, might be chapter 89 or something, there's the pastime where Arjuna, uh, there's a king, or sorry, there's a Brahmana whose son, whose sons died. I can't remember all the details, but basically Arjuna uh, vows to get the sons of this Brahmana back in order to regain the, um, the prestige and the respect of Maharaj Yudhishthira. And he, he travels throughout the universe, actually, and he can't find the sons. And he's about to commit suicide because he made a vow that he would get them back. And then Krishna comes and helps him out. And actually takes him outside of this universe, this one universe, which is a tiny little speck that's emanating from Mahavishnu. And Arjuna goes with Krishna to see Mahavishnu. And Mahavishnu is the one who has taken away those sons. And he, he states, he offers prayers to Krishna in that section. And he says that I took away these sons because I wanted to see you, Krishna. So even Mahavishnu is worshiping Krishna. And we also see this 
uh, in Lord Chaitanya's Leela. Mahavishnu comes as Advaita Acharya. And Advaita Acharya calls Lord Chaitanya to appear. Because of his calls, then Lord Chaitanya appears in this world. And throughout his life, throughout Lord Chaitanya's life, he offers great respect to Advaita Acharya, who seemingly is his superior because he was on the planet and his body is older than Lord Chaitanya's. But Advaita Acharya is constantly trying to serve Lord Chaitanya throughout his pastimes, even to the point of the famous pastime where Advaita Acharya starts preaching Mayavad philosophy because he knows it'll disappoint, it'll anger Lord Chaitanya. And so he's preaching that, uh, you know, Gyan is higher than Bhakti. That, and Lord Chaitanya comes and is infuriated. And he said, are you preaching that knowledge is higher than Bhakti? And Lord Chaitanya says, yes, yes. Or Advaita Acharya says, yes. And then Lord Chaitanya starts actually throws him to the ground and starts beating him. And Advaita Acharya is actually ecstatic at that time because he's finally in a position of being uh, in, uh, subordinate to Lord Chaitanya. And so, because generally Advaita Acharya was, was being given great respect. So, even Advaita Acharya wants to serve, and even Krishna he comes as Lord Chaitanya himself to experience what it's like to be a servant. So it's ironic that us as living entities are struggling so hard to try to control in our own small little ways. But Lord Chaitanya, or Krishna, who is the actual supreme controller, is wanting to come and engage in service. So this is why it's so important to hear about Krishna's supremacy regularly over and over again, because that will, as we heard in the Bhagavad Gita verse, that will actually give the impetus to engage in Krishna's service. When we understand about his greatness to some degree, then we can sincerely engage in the service. And this is the beginning of devotional service, where basically the service attitude comes when we understand about Krishna's greatness, and we can start to engage in devotional service. And then, as one progresses more and more at the topmost stages of bhakti, actually, the service attitude uh, becomes so much prominent that Krishna's greatness takes it goes into the back backstage and becomes uh, actually uh, invisible. The residents of Vrindavan have such a strong desire to serve Krishna that it's not dependent on Krishna's supremacy. Actually, they don't even know that Krishna is God, but they just love him and they want to serve him. So this is the perfection of the service attitude.
It starts with understanding Krishna's supremacy, and then it's perfected in the topmost realm of the spiritual world where uh, only Krishna's sweetness is pervading and the residents of Radhavan are serving him simply out of love. So those are a few thoughts about control and our desire to control in this world and understanding Krishna's supremacy and ultimately coming to accept and enthusiastically engage in his service. This is our ultimate goal. So we can take some comments and questions, hopefully, now. Thank you for listening. I have I have two I have two questions, if I may. Yes, Prabhu. Okay, so the first one is related to the purport. By the way, thank you for your class uh, and my obeisances. Um, the first question is related to the purport, where I find the following passage: "Quote the demigods like Rama." and Indra have been promoted to such exalted positions by pious activities and austerities. But actually Vishnu or Krishna is the master of everyone." End quote. So uh, uh, in order for me to ask my first question, I need to bring to you the following Bhagavad Gita as it is verse, um, uh, chapter nine, uh, entitled The most, most Confidential Knowledge, text two. It goes as follows. This knowledge is the king of education, the most secret of all secrets. It is the purest knowledge, and because it gives direct perception of the self by realization, it, it is the perfection of religion. It is everlasting and it is joyfully performed. So, um, uh, my, my question is, um, what is the connection between, and, and I, yes, what is the connection between um, a life of tapasya, um, um, uh, a life of austerity, in order for me to uh, achieve purification and spiritual advancement, and this uh, joyfully performed. And I, 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 I am asking this question because uh, tapasya is meant for uh, giving to the body, so at least sometimes discomfort in order for me to make spiritual advancement. So I repeat my question, what is the connection between a life of tapasya, which is needed for us to make spiritual advancement and this joyfully performed that I find in this Bhagavad Gita as it is verse. And I am asking this question because here in this sense, in this quote from the purport, I see that Brahmai and Indra, they got their posts because of the execution of, of 
pious activities and austerities. Thank you for a very nice question, Prabhu. I'll do them, do my best too. And 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 of course, uh, when I'm what I mean by me needing to achieve uh, perfection is in relation to your class, where I find you saying that. Uh, we, uh, recognize uh, Krishna as the, the Supreme Personality of Godhead in order for us to act as his servants. And, and, and acting as his servants, it is the culmination of um, spiritual perfection. And, and without the pasya, it seems to me that I cannot realize myself as a, an, eternal, an, eternal, an eternal servant of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So what, what is the connection between tapasya and joyfully performed? Okay, yeah, I'll do, I'll do my best. I have a few thoughts. Uh, first is there's different types of austerity. There, there's different types of tapasya or austerity. So there's austerities that one can perform for material results, right? I mean, so many people are doing austerities just to get money, power, position, in the material world. And similarly, those who are practicing karma kanda, they can, you know, perform austerities to go to higher plan heavenly planets. And to become a demigod, one has to basically live very piously and, and practice austerity. So that's one that's different than the austerity in bhakti, actually. Uh, it's not that we don't also practice similar austerities. Like, for example, we practice fasting, you know, we practice, you know, those things can be used to, for a spiritual purpose. But uh, my point is that there are, there are differences in uh, different types of austerities that, that persons can perform. And actually, I was reminded of, because there's a lot that can be said about austerity, what it is, what it means, how to practice it in, you know, for bhakti. But my understanding uh, that I often think of as far as what's uh, really practical for, for bhakti practitioners, Prabhupada states in a lecture um, that the austerity for a devotee. And again, there are many ways we could discuss about it, but I just wanted to bring this one out, is that that a devotee, um, the austerity for devotion, for practicing bhakti is, is becoming humble. And uh, basically, dropping our ego and that's related to what we're talking about in this class because the ego is what's driving us to try to be the supreme lord and so dropping it is an austerity you know i know i can speak for myself that every day you know coming in front of the deities um you know singing the guru vashtakam prayers it takes effort to actually put myself in that mood right i mean when you
think about the mood that's being expressed in the Gurvashtakam prayers. It's offering my respectful obeisances to the lotus feet of my spiritual master. You know, that's a very, uh, that's an expression of humility, you know, right from the beginning, coming into the, the temple, offering obeisances, bowing down one's head. Oftentimes that's an austerity for people first coming to Krishna consciousness. Like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. So I'll just bring that out as one of the kind of main austerities for bhakti is basically becoming humble and uh, accepting that we're not the supreme controller. And this is hard because we're attached to being that way. And as far as bhakti being joyful, I also asked this question a while back in one forum. And uh, I think the answer is relevant here that we, we should understand and remember that uh, this ninth chapter is talking about pure devotional service. So pure devotional service means that one has no attachments to the material world and they're serving Krishna with uh, completely pure motivation. And so in that, in that state, devotional service is completely joyful. And we all have, I imagine, had some sort of taste of that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be, I don't think we would be endeavoring for it if we hadn't had some sort of glimpse of the happiness and the bliss that's there in pure devotional service. But again, that's pure devotional service. And if one is, has mixed motivations, then there will be difficulties. Then there will be, you know, so-called suffering because basically we're having to give up things that we're attached to. And that's not so happy. <laughs> that doesn't feel happy at first. But the interesting thing is that when we do actually give them up, then we feel more happy. But it's the, give, it's the dropping and letting go that is difficult. So pure devotional service is joyfully performed. But mixed devotional service Sometimes it takes a little uh, effort, a little more effort and might not be so tasteful. Does that answer your question, Prabhu? Yes, completely. And in relation to my second, thank you very much. It was a, a wonderful uh, answer. And in relation to my second question, I can wait because uh, maybe other devotees want to ask questions or, com or make comments. I, I can wait. Okay. If anybody else has a question or comment, reflection. Yeah, thank you, Vinod, for the class. I was, um, just it's a little soft, Prabhu. What's that? Okay. I can hear you a little bit, but. Okay. How's that? Yeah. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you were talking about. You were talking about service and recognizing Krishna as a supreme, and even Krishna as a supreme comes in the mood of service as Lord Chaitanya, and even how Krishna takes joy in serving his devotees. I was just, um, I'm just reading from Chaitanya Charitamrita. I just read this purport this morning. <laughs> Prabhupada says, uh, in relationship to service, he says, This is the part about Shivananda Sain's dog. He couldn't find him 
and Prabhupada's elaborating on kind of being being under the care of a Vaishnava, just like as this dog. So Prabhupada says in the purport, fortunately, we had the opportunity to be born of a Vaishnava father who took care of us very nicely. He prayed to Srimati Radharani that in the future we would become a servant of the eternal consort of Sri Krishna. Thus, somehow or other, we are now engaged in that service. And this here, we may conclude that even as dogs, we must take shelter of a Vaishnava. The benefit will be the same as that which accrues to an advanced devotee under a Vaishnava's care. So this point about service you were talking about, how it uh, seems like an essential point Prabhupada's elaborating here is that if we're under the care of a Vaishnava, whether one is an advanced devotee or a dog, so long as one is under the care, then the benefit will be the same. So the, poten the potency of being under the care of a Vaishnava and even appealing to a Vaishnava for their blessings, as Prabhupada said here about his own father, praying to Srimati Radharani that would become a servant. So it's such a nice, simple gesture to um, appeal to the Vaishnavas to, you know, to say, please give me your blessings that I may be a servant and uh, how much potency that has in, in how we're situated in devotional service as this dog was under the care of Shivananda Sain. So yeah, just appreciating that point you brought up about our position as servants. Thank you. Yeah, and I feel like you added a nice, very important element that service to the devotees is uh, crucial, and we can't, uh, you know, jump over the devotees or the acharyas to become a servant of Krishna, and that's why we worship and serve the spiritual master and the devotees. So, thank you. Anyone else for Vijay Krishna? I'm first Prabhu wrote in the chat if you wanted to read that. Okay. Shamipras says, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita 519 or 1519, that one who knows that he is the Supreme Person without doubting engages in his service without fail. So it seems like if I'm not fully engaged in his service without doubts, then it means that I'm not uh, somehow not completely convinced that he's the supreme person. Yeah, that's nice. That's a nice uh, way to to tell, kind of like a litmus test. Okay, am I fully engaged in Christian service? If not, then there's probably some sort of doubt of uh, where whether I can really accept. At least I can see it's true for me. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Vijay Krishna Prabhu or, oh, Mother Nidra. Thanks, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Let me get focus here. Um, so I was reading um, about living entities and then how they are, um, according to, I don't know if it's according to 
Shastra, I'm just curious about if there's any Shastric references about um, every single cell in the body is a living entity um, with the soul. And that when uh, the Vaishnav goes back home, then all those living entities get liberated. <laughs> so I was just wondering, I mean, it sounds wonderful, but uh, at the same time, I was just wondering if there's any Shastrik um, uh, example or, or pranam about um, the nature of, you know, these cells and living entities. I'm just curious because it came up with some discussion on, uh, you know, the Bhaktivedanta Institute. And, well, and if there's no, like, definitely have this. if there's no pramana, if you could say something about um, how, uh, what kind of expansions, you know, are, are we, I mean, we're like, we're a certain kind of expansion. And, and it must make some people think that they're God <laughs> because, you know, everyone's part and parcel. So uh, if you take that, you know, to extreme, that, which a lot of, a lot of devotees did <laughs> before they joined. <laughs> There's such a funny story of Jadarani. <laughs> she was thinking she was God. <laughs> There's some really funny stories around that. So anyway, I was just wondering if you had anything to say about the nature of, you know, living entities as um, expansions and what and that, that discussion. Um, a few things, I guess I'm just trying to think what is most um, relevant. The question about the living entities and the cells has come up, but I haven't done thorough enough research to uh, find some conclusion. I've heard talks where, or morning walks where disciples specifically, His Holiness Bhakti Sarup Maharaj asked Srila Prabhupada about this, um, but unfortunately I, I don't have the reference of what Prabhupada said. Um, the only Shastra reference I think I can think of is that it is mentioned that the living entity is the master of the city of the body. Sometimes like in the Gita, it's mentioned the city of the body. Uh, the body is considered like that. And so in that sense, and of course there are many organisms even just living in the, you know, in our, for example, like in the gut, there's many like even clinically, they're like living organisms. And yeah, even the cells are you know, biologically living, according to science. But as far as the soul, individual soul being there and what happens, um, I don't know if I'm fully qualified and have done thorough enough research to really speak on it. Because um, it, yeah, kind of interesting detail that is important, you know, and I don't want to like, Toss it away, but I'm just, I don't want to speak something that's not, um, you know, backed up shastrically. Um, the second thing you were asking about our position 
uh, as living entities was reminding me of one thing I just wanted to mention also that we have to understand also that we are um, controlled. We are not the, the supreme controller, but we're also not, um, we have to understand what energy we are. We are not the external energy of Krishna, the material energy, because that material energy is fully inert. It's not conscious and it's fully under Krishna's control. Us as living entities, we are also fully under Krishna's control. Yet at the same time, we are called um, marginal energy, which means that we actually belong to the conscious internal spiritual potency of the Lord. And in that way, we actually have uh, some element of control. And it's even described, the living entity is sometimes described as Purusha, which means the, the controller. Um, Krishna is the supreme Purusha, but the living entities are tiny Purushas. We have some amount of control. So our perfection as living entities is to use that small amount of control, that free will that we do have as conscious living beings in cooperation with Krishna, with Krishna's supreme will. When we misuse that independence, then we are find ourselves in the material world. But when we properly use that minute, small, tiny amount of control and independence that we do have, then we are properly engaged in, in Krishna's service. And that's a whole nother conversation that could be had is how we understand the balance. But we, I don't think we have time to get into that. Is that okay, Mother Nidra? Yeah, th thanks, Guru. I was just remembering how um, Prabhupada wanted to know, um, you know, Jadrani's situation, you know, whether she could uh, come, you know, for morning program and all that kind of stuff. And so he... Um, he asked her, um, do you, uh, well, where do you, know, where do you live? Do you live nearby? And she was thinking, um, as many um, hippies did in those days, maybe they still do, I don't know. But uh, she was thinking, yeah, you know, we're, we're near and yet we're far and we're, we're, we're all pervading. And <laughs> so he says, do you, do you live near? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm very near. <laughs> like, and <laughs> so then, then Prabhupada said, "Great, great. That means you can come. You know, every morning." <laughs> and so she, she was like, "Hmm." Uh, <laughs> then she thought, oh, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm gonna have to do that." <laughs> and it, it meant like quite a distance she had to go really early in the morning <laughs> on the subways and everything <laughs> so i just had a good laugh i <laughs> broke through her mayavadi conceptions <laughs> yeah because the, the nature is that you know because the living entity is part and parcel of krishna you can really get on the wrong track and uh and think you're a lot more than just a apart and so she was saying how um 
yeah, pretty much a lot of those young people, they were thinking that they were, um, you know, they were God. <laughs> Paul Gopal uh, just posted a comment that says, O son of Vallabha, uh, from Navadvip Dham Mahatmya. Uh, O son of Vallabha, Sambandha Gyan is a most profound truth. A conditioned soul cannot easily understand the supreme wealth of Sambandha, relationship with the Lord. Although many people say, Sri Krishna Chaitanya is my only Lord, their hearts are devoid of even a small, even a smell of Sambandha Gyan. They are always carried away by delusion. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. More support about how we need to have proper understanding of Krishna in order to really be fully devoted. Otherwise, if we don't have that proper Sambandhagyan, uh, there is tendency to become sahajya and take things cheaply and uh, become sentimental about our devotion to Krishna. All right, Hare Krishna. I think. Krishna Prabhu. Yes, yes, Hare Krishna Prabhu. Um, there's something in life comes from life relating to that question that Manija asks about all these living entities within the body. Um, Dr. Singh, that's Bhakti Sub Damada, asked Prabhupada, within the living body, Shula Prabhupada, there are innumerable small living entities, but the individual self who owns the body is also there. Is that correct? Shila Prabhupada, yes. In my body, there are millions of living entities. In my intestines, there are many worms. If they become strong, then whatever I eat, they eat. And I derive no benefit from the food. There are, oh, okay, there are those who, let's go down a little bit. Shila uh, Prabhupada continues. So there are thousands and millions of living entities in my body. They are individuals, and I am an individual, but I am the proprietor of the body, just as I may be the proprietor of a garden in which many millions of living entities reside. Does that relate to the question? Yeah, that, that, sounds, like, that sounds like pretty good pramanam coming from Srila Prabhupada. Yeah. That's yeah, like thank you. Life. Thank you. Chapter two. Jai. All right, it's 9.15. So if um, Vijay Krishna Prabhu, if you would like to ask your question, please go ahead. And if others need to leave, uh, don't feel obliged. Yeah, yes, um, thank you, Prabhu. My question is, my second question is also related to the same purport, where I mm -hmm. find uh, the following passage. It uh, actually it is the very last sentence of the purport. Quote, worship of Krishna alone, therefore, includes worship of all the parts and parcels, just as watering the root of a tree also waters all the branches, twigs, leaves and flowers, uh, end quote. 
So um, um, as a very short introduction to my question, I need to say the following. Your class was focused on Krishna being the Supreme Personality of Godhead and the need for us to recognize him as such. And how can we get there um, in relation to re recognize him as such? We should uh, uh, try as, as best as possible for proper knowledge in relation to Krishna being the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And then with proper knowledge, we will become enthused and, in, and inspired to render sincere service. So um, uh, in relation to the quote I just brought from the purpose and in relation to the theme of your class and the way you exposed um, uh, the way you developed your class, I need to ask the following. Well, um, uh, and still uh, in the mood of introduction, um, when Krishna was present here um, uh, 5,000 years ago, um, uh, related to the battlefield of Kurukshetra, uh, chanting Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna, he was uh, uh, present uh, personally in in person, and uh, it was not difficult for Arjun to, to worship him because the relationship was face to face. But in, in our days, uh, Krishna is not present the same way he was present when he was in the battlefield of Kurukshetra 5,000 years ago. And uh, um, uh, my, uh, my question is as follows, in relation to this, my question is as follows is as follows, uh, where should I go and what should I do in order to worship Krishna when he is not personally present? Um, and maybe, maybe in relation to proper knowledge, in order to recognize him as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, uh, if Krishna is not present in person in, in our present days, who is going to where can I find him? Who is going to give me proper knowledge in order for me to, to search for him and to find him? And then if I find him, to, to worship him as his servant because he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That is my question. Well, Um, okay, so if I'm understanding, you're basically saying that how do we worship Krishna during now when he's not so present in the same way that he was present when he was speaking Bhagavad Gita? Yes, but also the most important part of my question, who is going to teach, to teach, to teach me uh, where to find Krishna and how to worship him when he is not uh, uh, present in person? Uh -huh. like, 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 like he was in, in uh, 5,000 years ago in relation to the battlefield of Kurukshetra. Mm -hmm. Because uh, your, your class was uh, focused on uh, getting proper knowledge in order to serve Krishna sincerely as the Supreme Personality of Godhead that he is. Okay. <clears throat> well, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur says 
that uh, in his song, Only Vaishnav Takur, he's worshiping the Vaishnav and he's saying that you, oh venerable Vaishnav, you possess Krishna and you can give him to me. And I'm simply running after you, you know, shouting Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. So even, I would even say that even when Krishna was present in, you know, of course we know he's present also here fully. He's present in the deity. He's present in his, his words. He's present in so many ways. Uh, but as you're, you're bringing out, who's going to uh, give us the knowledge and help us to understand uh, how Krishna is present? It's only his devotees, because his devotees possess him. He exists in everyone's heart, but only his devotees are aware and uh, conscious of his existence in their own heart and in the hearts of others and throughout the manifestation. And even when Krishna was present on this planet, there were many who did not know him as he was. It was only his devotees who could really access him in that way. So I would say that it's the same now that Krishna is just as present, if not more so because Lord Chaitanya has just come and his great general has also just come to make him uh, extremely accessible. So the devotees are the ones who are, who are uh, making him, who are giving us that knowledge and making him accessible. And he is fully accessible. There are purports where Prabhupada makes this same point that we shouldn't think that, you know, I can't access Krishna now because he's not here in the same way he was uh, he is fully accessible in so many different ways to us. And as you're bringing out, it's most important question is uh, how do we access him? And we access him by the mercy of the Vaishnavas, by serving them, pleasing them, inquiring from them. And uh, they can give us Krishna as, as Srila Bhaktivinoda is stating. Is that okay? Oh, uh, more than okay. Again, uh, amazing, wonderful answers. Thank you very much for your wonderful class and wonderful answers to my questions. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Thank you, Prabhu. Thank you for your questions. You're welcome. Okay, so it's 922. Um, Shamipras is asking if Krishna Sharana can send a link to the conversation that you cited. So maybe you can send that to him over the WhatsApp group or something because we're about to end the class. But, uh, thank you everyone for staying on and uh, giving your kind attention. All glories to Srimad Bhagavatam and all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Hi, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Nice class, Prabhu. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful class. Thank you. Hi, Bolita. How are you, Bol, devotees? Hari. Hari, Bol, Mark. Hari. Hari. Nice, nice Christmas tree behind you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rescue. I got it for free. I found it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Put baking powder in the pancakes, not soda. <laughs> 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 <laughs>